of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 522.5. It is an hour long. Jason Lingren is with me and returning is Teresa Bucola. Now, you guys may remember from episode 479, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you'll probably want to go back and listen to episode 479 with Teresa. Basically, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. When the pandemic hit, they started closing beaches. Teresa stood up against them. She stood alone. They took her down. They took her down hard. She was charged. She was jailed. A whole bunch of things happened. We're doing this episode to catch up because sounds like she's basically handed their asses to them. She succeeded in this. Uh, if you want to support her, uh, all this legal fighting she's doing is not cheap. Uh, I am proud to know her. It takes courage to do what she did, to say the least. If you listen to the first episode, you'll see she gets taken down by police on the beach and they damn near do it to her again on the steps of the police station. Anyhow, Jason, is there anything else I should queue up before we get Teresa in here? Well, this was all over her just wanting to be in nature and them trying to stop her. <laughs> like that matters when it comes to some kind of illness, which was obviously, as we know, not a big deal in the first place. Well, let's be honest about this. It's not legal to shut the beach, which was demonstrated in the first episode. They can't, they can't do that. There are things on the books now. Uh, that everyone just ignored and they used their police. As a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to the first episode, I believe the police chief in question here is now a security guard somewhere on the tail of everything that's happened. But welcome, Teresa. Welcome back. And please tell everybody where they can contact you. And if they want to support your legal battle, which I hope they do, how they can do that. Okay. So my email address is Linus of the Coast. And that's L-I-O-N-E-S-S of the coast at yahoo.com. And then the fundraiser is on Gives and Go. And it's support Teresa in her fight for justice. And I'm going to get into later why the fundraiser at this point is so important. And then also, if you want to go to my website, it's TeresaBacola.com, and that is T-H-E-R-E-S-A, B as in boy, U-C-C-O-L-A.com. And I have a page on there for my stand for the beach. And then they can also go in and see my restoration and lead and stained glass work. All right. So let's quickly give the cliff notes of where we left off. Where were things when we ended episode 479? Let's just quickly lay down where things were left off before we pick up here. Okay. So I had filed the lawsuit. And what I did not mention in the last podcast was that I had applied for injunctive relief to the federal court for them to quash the warrants and have the criminal charges dismissed, which they denied. And I had to figure out for a number of reasons how I was going to proceed. Because if I went through with the lawsuit, with those things outstanding, I could possibly get arrested when I go for depositions and the jury trial because they had these illegitimate warrants out in the system for my arrest. And it would not look good to the jury that I had not dealt with the criminal charges. So I had to figure out how to proceed. Were you given a reason? Did the federal judge just simply say no and nothing else? Or did you get a reason? He gave me a reason. And I, I, I think he said it's, I did not go through the proper channels and it's, I'd never done an injunctive relief before. And so there's so many minute details that I may have missed. And I've been told that it's very difficult to get an injunctive relief. So after he denied that, and I think that was a week before I had the podcast with you, and it took weeks of deliberations to figure out what I was going to do. Was I going to go back into the Superior Court, or was I going to write a writ of mandate and or prohibition or other appropriate relief? So after, I mean, endless phone calls, I decided that I would write up a writ of man. Well, I'm going to call it a writ of mandate 
but that's what the higher court would issue to the lower court. And once I decided on that, then there was a whole other Pandora's box about, was I going to call it a petition for a writ of mandate, a claim for a writ of mandate? I didn't know who, which court to submit it to. So you're doing this by yourself. You had to figure all of this out on your own. No, no attorney. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Is anyone helping you? Did you get assistance from anyone or did you literally have to figure this all out on your own? I have some people. I had predominantly one that was helping me. Uh, No, uh, sorry. There were there were three and then it got whittled down to one. And there were so many variables that kept popping up. And any time that I would go into the codes, I would realize that I had done something wrong and I would have to revise it. I would get on Zoom calls and discover that I had made more mistakes and I had to keep revising it. Pardon me for interrupting, but I think everyone should be aware this is a big part of what was done, how it works. Because of the people who have the balls to stand up, which were there weren't that many, as we've seen, or at least we haven't heard about that many. Maybe that's a better way to say it. The legal nonsense that follows is expensive. Or if you're going to be an adult and try to do this, you know, stand up for your own rights, it's complex. And this is why they get away with so many things, because most people are not willing to deal with it. And even if you had a lot of money to hire an attorney, an attorney doesn't have any skin in the game, but let's move this through so people can get a picture. So you want to do the lawsuit, but you've got legal issues outstanding. How do you end up dealing with the legal issues? Okay. So after this enormous amount of work on the writ of mandate, which took me about full time, two months, and this was doing it nonstop. So I was actually like doing it as I was falling asleep while I was sleeping. I was <laughs> I was working these things out and it wound up being the written part of it was 40 pages and I had 100 pages worth of exhibits. So the entire writ was 145 pages. And the foundation of the writ was that they had forced me into a contract, an unlawful contract, and they did not honor my right to rescind consent on that contract. And there was a section of it called the chronology of facts. And I was also deliberating, am I going to list all the crimes that the and the errors and the mistakes that the court had committed, or am I going to keep it specifically to my right to rescind? And I decided on the former So what I listed in the writ of mandate was that the city manager who closed the beach had no authority to close it at all. That was specifically for the health director. And even if the health director had closed it, he had no authority to violate a constitutionally protected right that the people can access the navigable waters. I went into all the defects in the warrant. And that there was no probable cause by criminalizing a constitutionally protected right. It was not accompanied by oath or affirmation. It did not have the embossed seal upon the paper. It did not have the wax wafer. It was missing the time stamp. It was not signed by a judge, but a a deputy clerk. There were additional defects on the warrant. And then I also called out that they did not take me directly to a magistrate or ever was I taken to a magistrate while I was incarcerated. I was never properly served a citation or summons to appear in court. I only made a special appearance. I was charged for possession and selling of a weapon I did not possess. And they permitted a known dishonest prosecutor to swear to to my criminal charges. But even if he was honest, he had no firsthand knowledge of the supposed crimes of which I was accused. So there, there was pages and pages of this. And then I got to my favorite part, which was the memorandum of points and authority. Now, I'm going to get to what happened with the writ in a moment, but it's significant what it is that I discovered while writing it, which is 
And this actually, you said in, in, I think it was 419. Is that the number of the episode? 479 was, 479. was the, yeah, the okay. one where we covered your arrest. Yeah. So I was just listening to it yesterday and you sensed something that was significant. You said you rescinded the contract you were forced to sign under duress, which you have the right to do. Now, I went to the definition of duress in the civil codes, and it is defined as unlawful detention, uh, pardon me, unlawful confinement of a person. And subsection B is unlawful detention of a person's property. Now, what happens thousands of times every day in this country is that the police officers say, if you don't sign this quote unquote citation or notice to appear, I'm going to take you to jail. And then they, they keep you confined until you surrender your private property. That's unlawful detention of your property and it's unlawful confinement of your person. And what they did to me was textbook definition of applying duress so that I would be forced into this unlawful contract. Now, in Civil Code 1689B, it states the uh, means under which you are permitted by law to rescind consent on a contract. And that is duress, menace, fraud, undue influence, mistake. So that is also in the writ. And then I cited, it is 1570, which is menace. That is a threat of duress. And that's what the officers say, that unless you do so-and-so, we're going to take you to uh, be confined. And then 1575, which is undue influence. And that consists in the use by one in whom a confidence is reposed by another or who holds a real or apparent authority over him of such confidence or authority for the purpose of obtaining an unfair advantage over him, which is what I've been been under since they issued these warrants. So they're trying to force me to recontract. Now, what I did when I first got released from jail was I sent this citation that I was forced to sign back to the court, and I wrote across the citation, I do not consent to this offer to contract. I do not consent to these proceedings. And then I signed my name both times, and I sent it back to the court. Now, that should have stopped everything, but they are weasels and dogs in the court and it wasn't going to be that easy for me because clearly I had to keep studying. So I also went into uh, Civil Code 1667 and one of these subsections in that is unlawful contracts. That is not lawful, which is otherwise contrary to good morals. And I found case law uh, Supreme, either it was California Supreme Court or U.S. Supreme Court case law to prove my possession. And I had purchased a writ of mandate that had been successful in my, you know, perusing case law in California. And that's what I used as my template. Now, I also want to go into some of the incredible the unlawful codes and definitions that they list in California. That are on the books? That are on the books. Okay. And I want to, I'm going to deconstruct them. Penal Code 853.6 says, when a person is arrested for an offense declared to be a misdemeanor, including a violation of a city or county ordinance. No, you cannot be, you cannot be deprived of your liberty for violating a city ordinance. That That is not in the writ. But what is in the writ is that, and this is, uh, is 853.6, subsection D, the officer shall deliver one copy of the notice to appear to the arrested person, 
And the arrested person, in order to secure release, shall give their written promise to appear in court as specified in the notice. Now, you guys, I'm sorry, I don't remember if I if I went through this, but what is supposed to happen is if a, an officer sees you committing a crime, he can walk up to you and give you the choice. Either I can take you to the magistrate right now or you sign this notice or promise to appear in court at a later date, which is actually, that is good for the people because that means that you you may not have uh, the time to go to the magistrate immediately. And so you agree to go at a later date, but instead what they wind up doing is taking you to jail, which I think I talked about. My point in the writ was that I didn't sign a promise to appear or a notice to appear because then if you go to penal code 853.9, and this is so, I couldn't even believe that I saw this on the books in our codes. And that is, if written notice to appear has been prepared, delivered, and filed by an officer or the prosecuting attorney with the court, an exact and legible duplicate copy of the notice when filed with the magistrate in lieu of a verified complaint shall constitute a complaint to which the defendant may plead guilty or no contest. So it says right in this penal code that when you sign this notice to appear, you have become a witness against yourself. Well, that's a violation of our Sixth Amendment right. That I do point out in the writ. That's a basic human right not to, well, not a human right, but that's a basic right not to witness against yourself, isn't it? Yes. So verified complaints are supposed to come from injured parties. So what you're pointing out here is what's become standard operating procedure by law enforcement is illegal. Correct. Okay. And then they reaffirm it in subsection D, which is notwithstanding subdivision A, an exact and legible duplicate copy of the notice when filed with the magistrate shall constitute a complaint to which the defendant may enter a plea. They do it again. And if the notice to appear is verified upon which a warrant may be issued. So now that is at, that works to my advantage because what they're saying is, if you have not committed a crime upon which a warrant may be issued, then it's null and void. So I also point that out in the writ. And then I found a number of uh, case law to support my position, including case law, which says that you cannot threaten people with criminal prosecution in order to force them into a contract. Coercion. That is coercion. That's probably a combination of all all of them, undue influence, fraud, coercion. So basically all these legal issues where the law is being ignored or actually written into an operating procedure that's illegal, that all goes into your writ. Yes. Where is this writ going? Or where, maybe I should say, where did this writ go? And were these things recognized? Okay. So it had, like I was saying before, it took me a long time to figure out which court I was going to submit it to. And I decided on the appellate superior. So it goes the inferior tribunal or the state court, the superior court, then it goes to the appellate superior. And those are the judges in the same building as the superior court judges. And then you can jump up to the appellate court. So I submitted it to the three appellate superior judges. And then I also had to send it to the defendants, which were all the judges that I had dealt with previously, and the real parties in interest. And that would include the officers and opposing counsel. I said, sent it to Gavin Newsom, and to our attorney general, Rob Bonta. Okay, so that is about three weeks and they deny it. Who's they? The three appellate judges. Do they give you a reason? No. Okay. And that is stated in form APP 150 for California that they don't have to give you a reason. They can just deny it out of hand. So it's about three weeks and I'm really... You know, I wasn't expecting that they were going to recognize it. And yet simultaneously, it was very disappointing. Now I have to figure out, I'm kind of, I go back to the drawing board. 
Now I have to figure out what I'm going to do. Am I going to appeal it to the sixth district or am I going to go back in and face my opponents in the superior court? What did you choose to do? I chose to go back in and face my opponents in the superior court and to risk arrest. I go in last Tuesday and I stated to the clerk that I wanted to see the judge again to discuss it with him and to have the warrants recalled. And I decided to go in there with only one other friend. And I didn't go in there with a group of people, which I'm going to talk about why in a couple of minutes. So I go in there and someone comes over and he said something like, well, we would like to know why you didn't come, why why you did a failure to appear the last time. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm the public defender. And I said, well, I'm, you know, you're not my attorney yet. And I'm here to speak with the judge about this. So they call my name and I walk up there with my friend and you guys is so, (laughs) I, I, I still can't believe that this happened. My friend walks up there with me and the judge immediately starts threatening my friend. And he said, who are you? And he said, I'm her friend. I'm here to help her. And he said, you're not an attorney. He said, be quiet, sit down, or you're going to be removed from the court. And I said, well, he's my assistance of counsel. And my friend said, it does not say assistance of attorney. And in hindsight, I realized that they're all about threats and intimidation. And I start speaking with him and he's does not speak with candor to the tribunal. So what he says is, he says, potentially, I just want to make sure that you understand your situation, that there's currently a warrant out for your arrest and you can be taken into custody right now. So more threats, more applying pressure. And the thing was, I went in there and it didn't matter to me what they did. I didn't care if they dismissed charges. I didn't care if they arrested me. I didn't care if they brought it to trial. To me, it was all the same. So internally, I was like, well, if you're going to arrest me, then then go ahead and arrest me. Let's rock. And he turns to the prosecutor and he says, you know, whatever her name was, Miss Prosecutor, are you appearing on this case? And she says, yes, Your Honor. And the judge said, the last time you were here, you requested a public defender. And I gave you time to fill out the form so that we could fulfill your request and assign you a public defender. And I said, objection. I did not request a public defender. And what had happened the last time I was there, and this is also really interesting, this judge and I, and this is the same judge that I'm now facing last Wednesday. And when I faced him in 2021, he said, we're going to He kept asking, he asked me 13 times if I wanted a public defender and I conditionally accepted his offer upon proof of claim that this would not give the court jurisdiction over me. And at some point he said, okay, we're going to recall the matter once you fill out the form for a public defender. And I said, thank you very much. Have a nice day. And I left and I left the courtroom in honor. Now, a conditional acceptance is not an acceptance. And so what wound up happening was after I objected and the prosecutor has already spoken, she's already introduced herself to the court. He again says, the last time you were here, you requested a public defender and, and, you know, you have to give the court a good reason for why it should not take you into custody right now for failure to appear. And I said, objection. Oh, and he tried to interrupt me once. And I said, hold on. I said, objection. I was here. I submitted seven affidavits from witnesses attesting to my presence in the courtroom. And you offered that the matter would be recalled. Once I filled out the form, I did not consent to the offer. And then the whole thing came to a screeching halt. And that's when the prosecutor interrupted me. And she said, Your Honor, I have some information here, I think, that could save us a lot of time. The people are going to dismiss this case in the interest of 
So wait a minute, wait a minute. When you let them know that you weren't being buffaloed and that you didn't accept the offer, even though they were trying to basically run roughshod over you and put words in your mouth that you had requested a public defender, in other words, accepted to be under their jurisdiction, right? That's what the that's right. part of what the public defender means. It means you're accepting to be in their ball court and and the you know you're you're gonna be under under their racket once you take that acceptance. When you let them know that you were not giving up your rights and not accepting their offer, the whole demeanor of the court changed? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. okay. And what wound up happening was the judge, and I think I recall that he actually had a smile on his face and he turned around to the prosecutor and he goes, oh, so you want the warrants recalled? Just like, and, and oh, actually what he said to me first was, do you object to the people dismissing the case? And I said, no objection. But quite frankly, I was so in shock at what was happening that it was almost as though what the prosecutor has said was inside of a giant empty oil tanker, and I could I could barely hear it like echoing. <laughs> but you recognized, you knew, you knew what had just happened. Yes, and I have no way of proving this. And I I know a lot of these guys, Randy Kelton and Alphonse, you're never really quite sure what has happened. But I my theory is that. The whole thing was a game and they were going to give it one last shot to see if I was going to cave. And when it became obvious that I wasn't, they were like, oh, okay, well, just hold, hold on for a second. If I'm not mistaken, they, they couldn't establish jurisdiction, right? Uh, that is correct. So they, they can't, they have nowhere to go, right? I didn't know that going in there last week. I had only ever heard mm. a Tap out. So let me back up for a second. So all this goes down. Does the prosecutor drop it all? Does she get rid of the warrants? Does does it all just get let go? Yes. Right there and then. Yes. The bailiff came over and handed me a sheet which says the people dismissed the case in the interest of justice and warrants recalled. All right. So then what happens at that moment? What is the next thing that occurred? I went outside and sobbed. <laughs> so so what did the judge do did the judge did he make a motion did did he do anything or did you just leave i just left he didn't say a thing to you no well uh let me say if he said something i didn't hear it because like i said i was so in a state of shock because at some point i thought i was going back to jail again and you get very tense and yep. nervous when you're in that position and not really much else got in. And this is another theory, but when I've listened to their court proceedings, they use the offers to contract with one another all the time. They'll say, I received the offer from Mr. So-and-so. The court does accept the offer. You know, Mr. Smith, did you run the offer? Was it, was it accepted? Was it denied? And so I'm really good at being able to use their own words against them. And I just find it so fascinating that. That you're starting to understand the language that, yes. that you that you couldn't hear your whole life. So basically, at this point, there are no more criminal warrants against you. The hatchet of being taken as a prisoner has just been removed. So what is your next step going to be now that you've dealt with the, the warrants hanging over your head? Oh, I should have said this before. I had asked the federal judge in February if he could, well, it's called stay the lawsuit, but uh, to freeze the lawsuit so that I could deal with the criminal charges and the warrants, which he granted. So now I have to unfreeze the lawsuit, which I'm in the process of doing so that I can get back in the ring with these guys and go forward with depositions and the lawsuit. Which isn't looking good because everything that they had just got thrown on the floor. And what's more is the people who were there couldn't establish jurisdiction over you. 
Correct. Not only that, they couldn't establish a contract with you. That's right. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is going to work for anybody that is listening, but I, you know, despite the fact that they denied the writ, my theory is that its fundamental principles became a part of who I am and that there was something magical. I mean, there's a spiritual side to what goes on in a court of law. Are you suggesting there's a spiritual side to this? (laughs) Is that what you're doing? That man in the black robes of Saturn? Are you suggesting there's something spiritual going on here? (laughs) Yes. And I, I think that I found the words that caused the whole thing to stop dead in its tracks because I knew I was onto something in that writ. I knew that they they had they were required to honor my right to cons- to rescind consent on an awful unlawful contract, and they didn't. And the case that I ended the writ was I couldn't I couldn't believe I found this. This was a late eighteen hundreds. I think it was eighteen ninety two. Moral v. Nightingale. Okay, so this was a quote out of the case. Although Chief Justice Ian undoubtedly declared the rule in White v. Rinskoff, wherein he said, if the objection be not made by the party charged, it is the duty of the court to make it on its own behalf. Courts owe it to public justice and to their own integrity to refuse to become parties to contracts essentially violating morality or public policy by entertaining actions upon them. It is judicial duty always to turn a suitor upon such contract out of court whenever and however the co- character of the contract is made to appear. So what's the takeaway? That, first of all, the court should not, if I let them know that I rescind consent, on the unlawful contract, they have to honor the right to rescind. Even if I don't bring it up, it is their duty to bring it up themselves. So the judges weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Is that what you're suggesting? Correct. And it really seems as though I just did so much research and exposed so much of the things that they do in there that are illegal. It's almost as though they, the feeling I also get is that they're happy that somebody finally stood up to them. I mean, they probably get tired of just running over one slave after another. Herding sheep. Let let me, yeah. let, let, let me offer this. Do you feel like there's a new light in your being now? Do you feel like you gained a knowledge of who you actually are during the course of what's happened here? I mean, absolutely. And I also, you know, it really didn't occur to me to right now, but they play fair. Once you've established that you're not a sheep, that you're not somebody who's just going to be crud. See, this is, this is the big problem. What you did is a mega hassle for someone like me. I, I can't stand bureaucracy. I can't stand documents. I can't stand corporate. It's, it's physical torture for me to deal with an insurance company. I mean, I could think of almost anything I would rather do, but that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be able to stand up and go, but I think everything has changed for you. And I know there's a lot of legal people who won't agree with what I'm about to say, but I don't, I don't really care. What I've noticed in the legal community is people have a lot of methods that work. That's why we cover them, but almost none of them agree with each other on anything. And what I've noticed is it's not all apples and it's not all oranges. And what you did is not the same as what, say, KL is talking about, but it doesn't matter. You get to choose what you want to do if it will work. But I would proffer this idea. I can see that there's a change in you now that you recognized a part of yourself that you may have known about, but now it's in cement. Now, you know, how do you express it? Like your God given the God given rights that you have. How about if we put it that way, 
that you were granted when you came into this realm. But you see, the court knows that now too. They tried to contract, they failed. They tried to establish jurisdiction and they failed. And I would suggest to you that most of these guys, particularly in the courts that aren't these low municipal courts, they recognize, they'll, they'll know what just happened there when, when you go forward with things. And I think it's important to put all that forward. And I appreciate that you, you told everyone, don't act like what I did is going to work for you. I think that's an important thing to also put on the table. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So there's a few things that I want to address there, Crow, which is that was a an on, ongoing problem while I was writing the writ, which is I would talk to one guy that was a master in writs and he would tell me to do this one thing and then I would revise it. Then I would talk to somebody else that had a whole bunch of experience in writs and he would tell me to do something else. Then I would find a, a template for a successful writ and it was in contrary to what. So I got bounced back and forth, I mean, endlessly for months while I was writing that. And what I did was I went to the California Styles Manual and I cross-referenced it. I was referring to that all day long for a couple of weeks to make sure that I was quoting the case law properly that the parentheses was in the right place, that the period was in the right place, that the symbol was used at the end of the sentence or the word section was used at the beginning of the sentence. Now, as far as the light within, I don't have to be scared every time I open the door now. In the course of this, did you take any note of your name being written in capital letters? That's another thing that gets argued about all the time. The birth certificate gets argued about all the time. And I know what I know. These things are not made up, but this is the whole point I'm trying to make about law. In some ways that you're going to go in a courtroom, it doesn't make any difference, any of that. You're playing in their courtroom. You're, you're, you're in their little domain there, like you just did, but you didn't let them establish power over you. But my point is, did it make any difference to you that there was a legal fiction with your name on anything in that courtroom? Did you consider it? Did you care about it? I have a friend of mine that has done that and he's really into it. He talks to me about it frequently. I, my, The two teachers that um, I was with, they never did it. I know that Eddie Craig thinks that it's what about you? Did it have any bearing on what occurred in that courtroom? I mean, I know you know about it. Did it did not. It did not. I didn't there do anything. I, I, I didn't address it at all. And why is that? Because it's not important for what you were doing. I mean, it's important. It is, don't get me wrong. It is important. You, you need to know these things. But the point was, it wasn't one of the arrows in the quiver. It was an arrow in your demeanor because you know it. You know that they have a legal fiction. But the point is, is you didn't need to do anything about that with what you just did. No, that, that's correct. And I had a friend that wanted me to exploit that avenue before I went in there. And I was still, you know, after they denied the writ, I was still getting, you know, a whole bunch of differing, opposing opinions about what to do. And I thought, well... I'm just going to stick to that. I didn't consent to the offer to contract. And, but that is not to say that if someone did exploit the research into the upper and lower case of your name or the all caps. It's an avenue that could have been used. Could have been used. Someone could have went and stood exactly where you stood and went about this whole thing in an entirely different way. Yes. And like I was saying, I, I, I think that it's possible that these guys are just glad that somebody does the research and finally stood up to them. Um, and whether that be in the all cap fiction or if it has to do with exposing that it's all about consent and offers to contract. But I think it probably does have merit. It's just not, not an avenue that I went down. Here's the thing. We've heard this time and again, where when the judge has tested you, threatened you, and you've held your ground and you've proved that there's an adult who can take care of themselves, 
all of a sudden the judge is ready to proffer some respect. Everything changes. Yeah. And this comes back to the spiritual ideas. Are, are you an adult human being or are you some little chattel that we push around in here at will because you won't even stand up for your own rights? Mm-hmm. Do you have an attorney because you can't even stand up for your own rights. You need someone to help you in here. And once you've got that, you're part of what we're doing here. You've contracted in. You took our public defender. Right. Right. I kind of feel like we can wrap this in an hour. And so what I want to do is I want to do a quick rundown to try to paint the picture for everybody. Basically, what we just got done talking about was Teresa's lawsuit. And she's very concerned, rightly so, with these legal warrants hanging over her head that it might impede or completely destroy her efforts with the lawsuit, or she might simply be tossed in jail. So what she did is she held off on the lawsuit and she went after the warrants. She won. She stood them down in court. She didn't accept their offers. She didn't allow them to to get jurisdiction. I hope I'm saying this correctly. Basically, Basically, she proved she was an adult in the courtroom and everything was dropped. What this means is all those things they had thrown at her and threatened her with were just shown to have been of no value. Well, no merit. Maybe that's a better way to say it, right? Mm-hmm. It had no merit because it was thrown on the floor and walked away from. A mm-hmm. thing that has merit does not get thrown on the floor and walked away from. This all stems from episode 479 when they illegally closed the beach and Teresa stood up for her right to go to the beach And she was basically physically taken down by a police officer and arrested. Many other things happened. Go listen to 479. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sum up as we get ready to close in an hour here, what I think is probably the point of view. And then I'm going to ask you if you agree. And if you don't, to please correct what you think is a better way to say it. Okay. You've dealt with their arrows. All these arrows pointed at you and they're gone. Everything that they tried to coerce or threaten or to get you jailed has failed. You won. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lawsuit. Everyone who's involved in this lawsuit, or many of them, are going to recognize what just happened. How all these things that supposedly they had a right to threaten you with jail, supposedly that that was thrown out. So clearly they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a lawsuit that says how wrong they were. I think what just happened probably drastically improved the odds that you will succeed in your lawsuit. That's right. Yep. That was all correct. So what would you add? That now the real fun is about to begin, which is that I get to depose everyone that arrested me. I get to depose the deputies that put their hands on me in the jail. And now I'm now I'm in the driver's seat. The shoe is on the other foot. And I will need resources to be able to do that. I need resources for the the room, the transcripts, the videographer. And it's so exciting because I don't have to worry about the warrants anymore. I don't have to be concerned with the criminal charges because they've all been dropped. And for people that have donated before and I haven't gotten back to you. My apologies. I've been so sunk mentally in getting the buzzards off my back. You know, if you want to consider donating again, or if you haven't donated, please help me to see this through all the way to the end, because I stood for a gift from God and it is for everyone to be in nature at will and how incredibly important What it is that I I just did is as well as the um, lawsuit that's about to be opened back up. So, yeah, if you can help and if you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, there's only one of me. And if you want to go to my channel, I just figured out how to edit videos. And I did one called Clowning the Police with Their Own Words on the Steps of Their Own Police Department. And I'm going to have. Uh, a series of those coming out. So, and you know, in any way that people can help me to keep putting one foot in front of the other, that would be awesome. So Crow 777 Radio is going to make a donation to your legal 
fund. And I would point out to anyone who has money that they could put towards this if they want to. And if you're living check to check, probably you're not going to donate money. If you're not living check to check and you appreciate what's been done here, then you can. This podcast will be donating. The way I view this and go back and listen to 479. She literally walked into the lion's den by herself with a crowd of people that watched it happen as she was yelling, come on, stand up for your rights. What she did was she said, we have a right to go to the beach. You don't have a right to use COVID or anything else to close our beach. And she stood up where thousands of people didn't. And so for that one reason alone, and that bars everything else that's happened since or what she managed to pull off just now in court the podcast will be making a contribution to your legal fund. What's more, and I know you will keep in contact with us, is we will continue to cover what unfolds as this goes forward. If I had to venture a guess, you're about to get paid. That's my guess. Oh, well, thank you very much for the donation. And I realize I uh, discussed something at the beginning that I did, and, and this will kind of tie it up in a nice bow which is the reason that I did not go in there with a posse this time. I could have, I could have sent out, uh, sent out a, a big email. I could have packed the courtroom, but it was a strategic decision to only go in there with one other person. And the reason was, I don't need a gang. I don't care how many armed thugs you have in here. I don't care what you do about intimidating me. I don't care if you arrest me. It's just me and my friend to witness if I get taken into custody. And it also, and I didn't realize this at the time, but it also gave them the space to save face. And it was, I mean, it, it was so empowering to just go in there alone. I like it. I wanted to make sure that I address that. I like it. And by the way, when I said you're going to get paid, I mean, I think your lawsuit's going to hit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to hit big. They violated your rights. And you've now demonstrated that not only did the creator grant you rights at birth and before that, you know how to stand up for them. And mm-hmm. this whole system that we're under is corporate policy. And this corporate policy has crept into what is supposed to be law because nobody's stopped it. Mm-hmm. Nobody stood up. Nobody's done the things that we were supposed to do. Right. And so, again, I absolutely pledge support from the podcast to your legal fund. And I promise we will continue to cover what unfolds. And Jason, is there anything you want to get in before we wrap up? I'm curious what the reaction from the prosecutor was. Well. Uh, Like I said, I didn't really, I wasn't able to kind of take everything in. But like I said, she had already introduced herself to the court. And I, you know, she should have spoken up sooner. And like I said, I could feel that the whole mood in the courtroom had lightened. And the deputy that had come over and stared my friend down for standing next to me as assistant of counsel, he came over and he was friendly as could be. And he wanted to give us the forum about how everything had been thrown out. And honestly, Jason, I don't even remember what she said. I just, <laughs> I, what I about a shocked look on her face? Uh, she had, I think she had a shocked look on her face, but I, you know, I've basically been in a daze for the past week that I can't, I, I just can't even believe what, what happened. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you in a moment if there's anything else you want to get in before we close up. But I think the main takeaways here are if you're going to stand up for yourself like an adult and defend your God-given rights, you've got to know what you're doing. Part of the problem has been demonstrated on this podcast by the numbers of people we've covered. And it's down to about three now. And that's for a reason too. Of the three different law ideas we cover, there's very little agreement across the board between the three. And yet there are methods from each one of them that are either obviously provably true or can be implemented for success. And this is part of the problem 
when you learn to stand up for yourself as Teresa was on her own, she's getting told one thing to do about Ritz while someone else is telling her another thing. This is the frustration. And it also shows an incontrovertible truth about what we call law, the inexactitude of the system that's currently come up around us. Wouldn't you suspect that if you were going to be in a courtroom, there's a clean, obvious rule book division on what happens where? How is it that you can have five experts in a room or five legal people who have had big wins and none of them agree on how to proceed? Mm -hmm. That's right. And part of the reason is, is because there's a charade going on. It occurs at your birth. And we've had legal people here who win all the time who won't even consider that the birth certificate has anything to do with this. It does. Things are done. It's proven. Don't believe me? Go listen to the Sui Generis episodes. He has walked from the moment of issuing of these documents out to wherever they go. He has proven beyond argument what happens when an individual is born and the, and the certification process begins. It's, it's all there is. It happens. It's true. Now, whether or not that becomes part of your legal defense, you damn well better know about it. That's what I can say, because it's part of recognizing the rights, your God-given rights, your, what would they say, inalienable rights. And they're only inalienable if you can defend them, by the way. Mm -hmm. But you can walk into their court. You can play by their rules in their court. You can win if you know what you're doing. You can walk into their court. These are the three ways that I'm aware of. You can walk into their court and you can shut it down from the start by never allowing a contract or jurisdiction to be established from the get-go. Or lastly, you can remove yourself entirely. Now, there's problems with every one of these ways I've just talked about. You can get a judge who's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Happens all the time. All these things could happen. But at the end of the day, if you have well educated yourself, you will know how to stand up and there is a spiritual aspect. In other words, it's almost like when you begin to spiritually awaken in the enemy's courtroom, you're not alone if you do the right things and you act appropriately. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, Teresa, is there anything you'd like to add before I wrap this up? Yes, that you, you know, people can consider it weapons training. And if all your opponent has is violence and threats of dungeons and trying to instill fear that, and you're going to fight in the battle of the mind and, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. And I would encourage people to regard it as weapons training, to remember that it is a blast to take one step closer every day towards freedom. and. It's also kind of uh, intriguing to see if you can persuade the judges to respect you. And I think lastly, that it is spiritual. And I wasn't concerned at all because I know that the day that I marched out there on the beach that I made God proud and God has my, God has had my back the whole way in ways that I couldn't, I mean, you know, he is the great artist and the, and the great creator of mosaics. And he has been creating mosaics and, is, you know, this incredible, beautiful stained glass panel for me for the past three years. And so I had nothing to worry about. And I, 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 I think that's it. You know, do, do things in truth and in service to God. And God is going to take you through, take you through the journey. He'll be with you the whole way. Okay. That's well said. I guess I would add one little thing. I have a member of my family, whenever the going gets tough, he throws everything and says, I'll just let God take care of it. God will take care of this for me. And I don't view the world that way. I view that I was given some extraordinary gifts when I came into this lifetime. And what some of those gifts are things like free will. And that demonstrates to me that I have to hold up my end, that I can't just say someone else is going to do this for me. And part of the spiritual side of living a life for me is when I recognized that I had these gifts and I recognized how to defend them, how to stand up for them because they were that important to me. But 
here we are. The story continues to unravel. I would urge everyone to go back and listen to episode 479. It's almost mind-numbing. So few people stood against basically tyranny as the pandemic hit. And as Teresa has pointed out, there are all these operating procedures on the books that aren't even legal. How can it be that these aren't constantly challenged in some way? And I think a big part about the era we're coming into is that they will be challenged. But at the same time, these jokers going for the whole enchilada, they want a world where there is no constitution of America, where there is no law, where there where there's something altogether different. They have to get there. They cannot operate with people who have a legal system and people who know how to use the legal system as it was probably originally intended. With that, I'm going to wrap up episode 522.5. I urge everybody who has the income and takes an interest to support this. This is worth supporting in my view, and I'll put my money where my mouth is. We're going to support it. The podcast is going to support it. With that, I'd like to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era, and stay tuned. There's more of this to unravel. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.